Father, thank you for bringing us here. Thank you that in whatever way we got here, um, by whatever means and mode, whether we thought we really wanted to or didn't want to and came anyway, if we came out of duty, if we came out of fear, if we came um, because someone invited us, because um, this is our home, this is a beautiful place, this is a place where we get to meet with you, whatever our reasons, Father, thank you that you brought us here. Thank you that you're um, here in our midst. We pray that your spirit would speak to us tonight and that your spirit would help us to discern what's true and to hear your word and your ways and your will, that you would receive our praise and our worship and our offerings and um, the songs that we sing, the food that we cook, the care that we have for our children, that you would receive those as gifts that bring honor and to your good name and bring you joy. Thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple weeks ago, um, Eric decided that he should list all of our rules that we have for other people. And I thought that was a fabulous, fabulous time of, of understanding the rules that we make for others um, and I, I thought how great it would be if the rules actually worked so that all of you with stupid little yappy dogs would never force me to pet them or come anywhere near me, right? Because you all know that I'm a cat person and I don't like yappy little dogs. I just don't like them, and I'm sorry. I know you love them. I know that they're amazing and they're your greatest pets ever, but they're just annoying, okay? And so I would like for that rule to be a universal rule and that you would all follow it and then it would be just a joyful time and a great time and everything would be perfect. Unfortunately, I looked at all those other rules that you have, some of which I violate on a regular basis, and kind of decided, huh, that's apparently our whole rule thing isn't really working. Tonight we're going to look at Galatians 3, 15 through 22, and we're, and we're going to talk about the rules, but we're also going to talk about the promise. So laws and the promise. So um, Galatians 3, 15 to 22 reads as follows. Brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it, is no, longer, then it no longer depends on the promise but God, in his grace, gave it to Abraham through a promise. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Is the law, therefore, opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. 
For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin so that what was promised being given through faith in Christ Jesus might be given to those who believe. Uh, occasionally when I've um, been back there teaching the 10, 11, 12, and 13-year-olds, um, I've asked them about the Ten Commandments, and I've asked them to, to uh, tell me what those commandments are. And um, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing because most of the time they don't know them. Although, Chris, you're, you know them, right? Like, yeah, you, you could rattle them off right now if you had to. But I'm not going to put you on the spot because that would be embarrassing. But, but, uh, but yeah, it, it's like we have these Ten Commandments. And, and then I read these articles where people are all upset because they're on a courtroom wall somewhere and they want them taken away. And I always love saying, so what exactly are, like when somebody challenged me, I said, what are the Ten Commandments? And people just give me a blank look. They don't know what they are. They just want them removed. You know, like it's, they, we got to get rid of them because they're bad. And, and, and so... Um, tonight, I thought I'd start by simply reading the Ten Commandments, um, the moral law, the law that, that we're all under um, and that we're all responsible to do and required to obey. Exodus 20. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Command number one, you shall have no other gods before me. You should not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those that who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments." No idols. Can't have idols. You should not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Treat God's name with honor and respect. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. A special day set aside to worship God. Honor your father and mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you, honoring mom and dad authority. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Uh, 
imagine a world, if you will, just imagine a world where everything in that law and everyone kept that law perfectly. Wouldn't that be an amazing place? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that just like, wow. If everyone obeyed the law. Imagine a world where everyone worshipped the one true God. Imagine a world where there were no idols, no other worshipping things. We didn't worship things, we worshipped God. No false images of God. No misuse of God's name. No taking it lightly or using it as a swear word. or Treating him as if he doesn't matter. Imagine a world where everybody worked six days a week and, and took a day off and enjoyed the presence of God and enjoyed each other's company and, and were in community together in beautiful ways, worshiping God. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That'd be great. How about a world where everyone honored, respected, loved, cherished their parents, and where parents, all parents, were worthy of that honor and respect and love and being cherished? Wouldn't that be amazing? Imagine your life if you had amazing parents like that and you were a kid who just respected and honored and trusted your, your parents. How about a world where there was no hate, no war, no murder, no killing of others, no school shootings, no, no one who set out to destroy or kill others, no one dying at the hands of another. Wow, that'd be pretty cool. What about a world where there's faithfulness to each other, honoring each other in marriage, being married and never divorcing, never leaving, never being unfaithful, never looking elsewhere, never being tempted to look elsewhere. A place where no one ever cheated on their spouse, there was no porn, there was no lusting after someone else. Where there was no need for a Me Too movement. Because everyone married for life, loved their spouse, and kept the intimacy of that relationship within the marriage. That'd be pretty cool. I think. What about a world where there were no locks, no barbed wire fences, no, no need to protect your property because no one would ever take it. I was in Phoenix this morning, and I was also there yesterday, and I, um, I had rented a truck, um, and because my father-in-law said, hey, we have this big chair that my neighbor has, and we thought, 
it might fit you and Derek really well and it would fit in your house perhaps and it's kind of a cool chair and so you can have it if you would come and get it which is of course always the key right and so I went and got it and then we tied it my son and I tied it into the back of the truck and and then we got to his house and he said you're just gonna leave it out dad overnight and I ooh. You know, it's a free chair, so if I lose it, I haven't really lost anything except, you know, 70 bucks for the truck rental. But, but it's, and then I had to buy steak from my son because he did all the heavy lifting. But, but still, um, I'm not out a lot, you know, so it's not a big deal. And, and so I think, oh, but I don't want it to get stolen. So we had to back it into his garage when this gigantic truck barely fit into the, into the garage. And we kept it there all all night long and then this morning I preached in the church of my youth and I had it parking in the parking lot there and I was really grateful that this church has what they call uh, parking lot monitors which is kind of like a hallway monitor only for churches so that's kind of cool and and so they have people go because then they could keep an eye and make sure my gigantically heavy chair didn't walk away right wouldn't it be great if that wasn't a worry or a concern or you never had to think about that or you could just leave your wallet out. Nobody, nobody take it. Nobody take anything out of it. A world where you didn't have to carry keys or remember passwords or that's just it'd be amazing. How, how about a world where no one ever lied to you, where never where where everyone told the truth. And they did it with love and compassion. You never had to raise your right hand and swear an oath. A world where no one misrepresented themselves, where there was no need for small print in contracts, where there was no need for lawyers. Sorry, Ashley, you'd be out of work, but it'd be awesome, right? We don't need the cop back here either, right? Scott, you're out. Like, I'm sorry, you guys are going to have to find other work. It's, but it would be great. It'd be fabulous if, if everybody just told the truth. Yeah, I did that. What about, what about a world where everyone was happy with what they had? No one desired anything beyond what they already had been given or what they already had. No one wanted to deprive their neighbor of something so that they could have it and be happy instead of the other person. No one was ever jealous of the other person. What an amazingly beautiful world that would be. I would love that world. So take a look around you. <laughs> Is that the world you see? Is that the world we live in? Are your cars locked? I know some of you are driving old cars you kind of hope get stolen so you can collect the insurance. But, 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 but I locked the truck. You know, I'm a little worried about that. Do, do you lock your doors? Do, do you protect yourself? Do, do you live in that world? How about this? Is that the world that you are making happen? 
Is that the world that you're causing to happen? Do your actions and what you do push that world forward? That beautiful, perfect world. Are you always completely honest? Are you, are you always never coveting what somebody else has? Are, are you never hating anyone or, or wishing them harm? Are, are you always honoring who God is? Honoring his name? So let me ask, if everyone lived like you, would it be a really great world? I mean, if everybody lived like me, there wouldn't be any little yappy dogs to worry about, right? Like, that, that would be awesome, right? It would be great if everybody was like me. And so we kind of get that in our head, right? That, that if everybody, you know, I'm a pretty good person, and, and I think the world would be far better off if they just lived like me. If they were just okay like me. Because I'm pretty good. If everyone lived like you, would that make this world, this perfect world, come about? Or are you complicit? Are you part of the problem? I know some of you are probably thinking, I'm pretty close. I'm pretty close on this. As long as you're great on the curve, I'm, I'm, I'm getting an A. You know, I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, better than some, not so great as others. But, but, you know, I'm no Mother Teresa, but I'm, you know, I'm nice to poor people. I only tell a few lies. <laughs> I, and, and they're really not just to protect myself. They're to protect others, right? They're, they're, I'm just trying to be nice. Yeah, I've cut a few corners. I, I adjust my time card a little bit. It, yeah, it benefits me, but, you know, I use the money for good things. I really only want my neighbor's pickup truck. He can keep his wife, right? Like, uh, I don't want that. And, and I don't need his donkey either, right? Like, it's, it's, it's okay. He can keep the donkey and the wife, but I would really love that truck. I think I should have it. I don't know why he gets it and I don't. The problem is you either keep the law or you don't. You're either a law keeper or a law breaker. There's no middle ground. It's like being pregnant. You either are or you aren't. Nobody is sort of pregnant. I think I might have caught some pregnancy here, and I'm going to see if it becomes that. Like, No, you either are or you aren't. And that's how it is with the law. You either break it or you keep it. And you either keep it perfectly or you break it. You keep the law or you break the law. If you, if you commit second-degree murder, somebody's still dead. If you commit... Manslaughter, someone's still dead. It, it doesn't have to be first-degree murder. 
The only difference, of course, is the sentencing that you get for first or second or manslaughter. Romans 3.23 reads, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody, every single person has fallen short. Everyone. And we're also reminded of Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. The cost of what we've done is death. That verse goes on beautifully to say, But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If only the law could save us, I, that would be really great. If, if there could just be a law that would set us free from the mess we're in. So what law would that be? Jesus says in Matthew, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus combines all the law and prophets and says, all you have to do is love God and love each other. Perfectly. Beautifully. And we can't do that. We don't do that. It doesn't work. The law can't save us. In our Galatians passage, we're reminded of that reality, that the law is simply not capable of saving you. I don't care how well you live. I don't care how perfect you live. I don't care what the attitude of your heart is. I don't care what your desires and passions are that, that do to do good and to do all those things. It can't save you. The law can't do it. But a promise can. A promise can. A promise can save you. A promise can change you. 430 years, Paul says, before the law is given, God makes a promise. He promises Abraham that he would be a great nation. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Go from your country. God says, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you the promised land. I'm going to give you beautiful things, amazing things. I promise you that. Leave and go. Follow to the place where I will lead you. I, I'm always fascinated with that idea, right? That like Abraham went to the end of the driveway and then he took off and went somewhere. Like, we don't know. Like, it's like, how does he know what direction to go? How does he know where to turn? Uh, how does he know? Well, because he's in tune with God. He, he trusts God. He believes God. He believes that God will guide him and show him the future, this place where he will go.
Jesus, God promises that, that to Abraham. And, and, and it's not because Abraham's good and wonderful and the perfect man and, and just a, a, you know, like A plus super citizen, the kind of like he's, 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 he's as messed up as we are. Go read his story and you find out all the horrible things that he did. This isn't a man who, who gets by on merit. It's not a guy who gets, who gets by because he keeps the law perfectly. Because the law hasn't been given. A promise has. Genesis 13, 14-16 says, The Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will give your offspring, I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if you can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. We've been talking about making some changes in the in the playground area. So I don't know if any of you would like to go in that whole swing set area. And if you could just count all the little stones that are in there and just let us know. Matter of fact, we could do that. We could have a contest. You, you'll have to carry them to another place that we're going to, you know, <clears throat> and then keep track. Just keep track. That would be great. And, and then we'll have a prize. I don't know what the prize would be, but we'll come up with something. Um, it, it, count each one of those. And that's stones. Those are little stones, little gravel, right? Anybody want to take that task on? Hmm? I am. Um, your hair? <laughs> yeah. Well, your, your hair is easier to count, Ron. Um, <laughs> no, I, for each stone I take, I get one hair. Oh, okay, I see. Right, we get we we have that um, that idea that dust there, there's du- and that's not that's these are big rocks compared to dust. If you can count the dust, then you can count all of the heirs of Abraham. Those aren't all the Jewish people; those are all the people of faith. They're all the people who choose the path of Abraham to believe and to trust in the promise of God. I love God's great promise to his people. Leviticus 26 verse 12 says, I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. I love that phrase, I will be your God and you will be my people. Notice it's not, I'll be your God if you keep the law and you get everything right and you do it all perfectly. He doesn't say, I'll, 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 you'll be my people if, if you, um, you know, are nice and um, kind to your neighbors and, uh, and, and if you get it. And yeah, it's okay if you slip up every once in a while, but... But as long as you you know you get it like an A minus or above, right? Then 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 I'll be your people. Then you can be my people, and I'll be your God. He doesn't do that. The promise is, I will be your God, and you will be my people. It's an imperative. It's a, it's it's what he does. It's the work that he does. 
And that, and that, that, beautiful, that beautiful verse is, is repeated throughout Scripture. It's found in Jeremiah. It's found in other places where, where there's this, just this beautiful thing of God reminding his people, particularly in dark times, I will be your God. You will be my people. And then the, the, the beautiful part is when you go to the book of Revelation and you, and you go to Revelation 21, verses 3 through 4, 3 and 4, you, you see the, the fulfillment of that promise. John is visiting heaven. He's visiting, he's, he's seeing, he's in a dream, in a vision, he's seeing the future. He's seeing the present. He's seeing everything. And it's, it's an amazing thing. He, he writes this. John writes these words. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall no more be no more, and neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain any more, for the former things have passed away. Isn't that fabulous? That's the end. That's the great end of it all. He will be our God. We will be his people. But how was the promise delivered? How was that promise given? Through faith. And that's where, that's where we get tripped up, right? We like the law. If I can just do things, the law works. But if it's through faith, well, that doesn't work so much. That's harder. Faith, faith is hard to believe and to trust that God is who he says he is, that Jesus did what Jesus did. Jesus is the seed. He is the offspring of Abraham. He is the fulfillment of the, God's promise to his people. It's how God makes us his people. That's fabulous. That's fabulous. And, and we have to believe that and trust that and, and, and walk as though that is true always. I know so many of you struggle with faith. I, I've gone through my dark nights of the soul. Trust me. I, I've had those moments in, in the middle of the night when I, when I was sure God didn't exist. I, I, I've been so depressed I wanted to kill myself. I, 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 I've been in dark, dark places. I've been angry with God. Just horribly angry at Him. Because he didn't come through for me. He didn't do what I wanted him to do. Faith is hard in those times. Faith requires that we simply say, you know what? I'm going to let go of my rage and my anger. I'm going to ask God to come to me. I'm going to ask him to send his spirit in me, to guide me, to show me a way forward. to trust him. Through faith. <laughs> through faith. Not through the law. If you're trying to keep rules and you're trying to do it right and you're trying to get this life right, forget about it. It's not going to happen. 
take delight in what God's given you. Take delight in the faith that you have, even if it's this much. Even if you wake up one morning and say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk this path today. You know, I hate that phrase, fake it till you make it, because that's like a stupid phrase. But you know what? Just go through the motions for a while sometimes, because it's helpful. It's helpful. Even when, you can't, even when you're not thinking right, go through the motions. Turn to your community. Trust God because they trust God if you have to. Just look at them and go, I have no idea how you can be in this position and in this place and, and still trust God and find God to be good. Trust him. Put your faith in him. He is the seed of Abraham. He is the consummate person, the perfect human who lived the life we can't live, who came and didn't sin. It's cool. It's pretty awesome. It gives us life. And when we start hanging on to that, and if we start holding on to that life, um, some of us say, I have to see and then I believe. I, I, for me it was, I believed and then eventually I began to see. Right? It's okay to believe first and see later, to understand later. So often we, we get hung up and, well, I have to get all the facts and I have to understand it perfectly and then I'll believe. No, it's not how God works. It's not how faith works. It's called faith. Believe. And then you will see, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not by Thursday, maybe not in the next month or two, maybe not even in the next year or two, maybe it'll take decades but you'll begin to see that God is good and he keeps his promise. So why do we need this law? Paul addresses that. Why do we need the law? The law is stupid. Like, why would we have this thing? Why would he get that 420 years later? That's kind of, or 30 years later. That's kind of dumb. What was God thinking? You know what? He gave us the law so that we're without excuse you can't keep the law. You can't do it. It's not possible. We read it. Unless you've been perfectly loving to every single human being and never done anything wrong, if you've never told a, even the tiniest white lie, if you're perfect, great. You're the first person I'd like to shake your hand. I've never met you. One like you. He gives us the law so that we have no excuse. We have nowhere else to turn except to the promise, the promise of Jesus. That's pretty cool. So the law is kind of an irritant to us. It bugs us. Until we give our life to Jesus, until we follow after him in faith, and then the law becomes this beautiful thing that says, hey, you want to honor God with your life? Don't hate, don't kill, don't steal, don't cheat on your wife, don't do these other things that are awful. 
praise God, take a day out of every week and honor him, then it becomes a joyful thing that you can give him. It's not rules, it's not stupid rules that you have to keep. It's amazing that you know that this honors God and pleases God and brings delight to him and brings joy to him. You do it for the pleasure of doing it. Believe. Have faith. A question or two, maybe? Okay, good. Let's go to God in prayer.